morning. Um, hello. <laughs> uh, next Sunday, we start our new series on understanding the Bible as one continuous story of God and his people. And if, if you've ever, like, you've heard different stories in the Bible, like Noah and David and Goliath, and then there's Jesus, and then there's Paul, and, but you don't understand how they all fit together. That's what we're going to be learning, is how to read the Bible, not just as a bunch of individual stories, but as one continuous story that helps us understand who God is, who we are, and how God is at work in our lives and in our world. We're going to be doing this for the next eight months, from now until the end of May. Yeah. And it would be a lot if I just said, okay, I want you to go home and read your whole Bibles in the next eight months. (laughs) That would be a bit much. So we're using a tool called the story. And this is selections from both the Old and the New Testament. And they're divided into 31 chapters. So it's basically highlights through the whole Bible with little summary statements that help you understand how they connect, okay? And what we're asking is that you get one of these books and you read it at home. That we make a commitment in the next eight months to really dive into the Word of God and to read and study it, all right? So in the these books, there's little bookmarks that say, okay, which chapter we're going to read each week. There's a whole schedule, and we have catch-up weeks, especially during holidays and stuff like that. But um, I want to encourage you to get one of these. Because this is a journey we're going on together. And I truly believe that if we commit to reading God's Word together, we're going to see Him do some amazing things. And so these are for sale in the lobby for $5. That's the cheapest price you're going to find anywhere on them. I, I guarantee you. We have also had people donate So if you cannot afford one, go ahead and take one. We just ask that if you take one, you actually read it. All right? So if you can't afford one, um, there's a box you can put cash or check. There's also a little QR code you can scan to pay online for your $5 copy. And this is not just for adults. It's for everybody. So there are copies of the story for different reading levels. Some that are, you know, lots of pictures, still lots of pictures, but more words, more words, still a few pictures. All right? So pick the one that is best for your children and their attention span. But these are divided into 31 chapters just like this is. So it's something that adult parents can do with their children as well. And if you can... These, there's only a few samples in the lobby, so you can look at them. And then there's a paper that you can scan the QR code and order them online. If you cannot afford one of these for your child, just let us know and we'll order one for you. And thank you to those who have generously donated to make that available. All right? So that's where we're starting next Sunday. Okay? So get your books because we're starting there next Sunday. Um... This Sunday, I thought it would be good for us to look at Psalm 119. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm 119. Um, If you grab one of the blue Bibles or any Bible from the basket, it's marked with post-it notes. And so you can find it quickly. 
But Psalm 119 is all about the importance of learning God's word. And so I thought it would be a good kickoff to our series for the next eight months. Now, Psalm 119 is actually the longest chapter in the Bible. There's 176 verses. So we're going to be here to 130. Um, nah, we're only going to cover the first 16. Um, but when I was when I was a kid, I did not get the Psalms. I just thought they were so boring. I didn't get them. It, when I became a teen, that's when I started to really relate to the Psalms and the the poetry and the emotion and the struggle that is written in them. And I heard that Psalm 119 was the longest chapter in the whole Bible. And I thought, oh, it must be really important. I'm like, I'm going to read it. And I was like so excited for the first ten verses. <laughs> and then I was like, does this say anything other than learn and obey God's word? Like literally, that, that's all it says over and over again. And I fell asleep reading it. Like, no lie, I really did. <laughs> um, now many years later... I realize there's much more to Psalm 119 than meets the eye. And I want to show you some of these things. First of all, you'll notice it's divided into stanzas. Do you see that? Like here's one and it's divided into these little sections. And at top of each section is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So that first stanza, the little symbol you'll see is an aleph. And every verse of that stanza starts with what letter, do you think? Aleph, yeah. And then the next stanza, that Hebrew letter, is Beit. And every verse in that stanza stanza starts with the letter Beit. Yeah. So this psalm was written not only to emphasize how important it is to learn God's word. It was also written to teach the Hebrew alphabet. And um, scholars aren't positive who wrote it. Some think King David, just because he wrote a lot of psalms. Some scholars think it was Ezra, the priest, who wrote it to teach people the importance of God's word. Um, But a lot of scholars think it was written by Daniel. And that's who I think wrote it. Because I think if you read Psalm 119 as a story of someone's life, it really matches the life of Daniel. Let me just give you a little background on Daniel so you can understand the context of this psalm. Uh, Daniel was part of the royal family of Judah. And he lived during a time when God had been sending prophets to Judah, especially the royal family, for decades, telling them they were sinning, they were Corrupt, they were taking advantage of the poor, they were worshiping idols, and the royal family just kept ignoring the prophets. And so eventually what the prophets said happened, the Babylonians came and they conquered the land of Judah. And the royal family, Daniel included, was hauled off to Babylon to be brainwashed. That's what the Babylonians did. When they conquered a nation, they didn't kill the royal family. They actually kidnapped them, took them to Babylon, and brainwashed them with Babylonian luxury. They gave them the finest clothes, the finest food, good homes, put them through the best Babylonian education, 
They changed their names. They, they wouldn't let them speak their own language. And they basically just tried to woo these royal families into becoming Babylonians. So they would convince their people not to revolt, but to assimilate. And so that's what happens to Daniel. He has a young man, he's carried off to Babylon, to a land where people, they don't know God, they don't care about God. He's supposed to study the Babylonian gods and cultures. But he insists on studying God's word and worshiping the one true God. He faces all kinds of negative peer pressure for doing this. He faces death threats for doing this. And he um, he survives more than one attempt on his life. But in the end, he... Um, He becomes the advisor to kings. He becomes known as the wisest man in all Babylon and the man with the most integrity. And he advises about eight kings. Literally, kings will die, coups will happen, empires will rise and fall, the Babylonians and the Medes and the Persians, they come and go, but Daniel remains the most respected and wisest man in the region. And the beginning of Psalm 19, if you read it like a story, it describes a young man who is under tremendous negative peer pressure. There's several verses that talk about him being taunted for studying God's word. There's many references to plots against his life for obeying God's word. Um, For example, verse 23 says, the rulers sit together and slander me. Your servant will meditate on your decrees. Verse 161 says, rulers persecute me without cause. Yet I'm not afraid of them. My heart will tremble only at your word, O God. Verse 46 says, I speak of your statues before kings. Plural. Not just one, but many. And I will not be put to shame, for I delight in your commands. All these things were true of the life of Daniel. And I think he wrote Psalm 119 as an acrostic poem of the Hebrew alphabet. Because he was desperately trying to hold on to his Jewish identity and culture and faith. And so this psalm, it's not just a list that says over and over again, oh, obey God's word, read God's word. No, this is, this is a record of Daniel's courageous journey to hold on to his faith and a culture that was brainwashing him to forget. So if you're a child of God and you've ever struggled with guilt about not reading your Bible enough, If you've ever been bored while reading your Bible, if you've ever struggled to understand things you read read and think, how on earth does this apply to my life? Or if there's times you've known how it's applied, but you don't really want to do it. If there's times you've ever doubted if God's word was really true and if he would keep his promises. And Psalm 119 is for you. Because the author goes through each one of those struggles and finds a way to overcome them. The author, who I think is Daniel, 
His journey begins when he recognizes the blessing of God's word. That's the first stage in his relationship with God's word. I'm going to read from Psalm 119. Start. Let's start in verse 1. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. I can just imagine, Daniel, um, a young man being hauled off in chains. And it's a long walk to Babylon. And he has a lot of time to reflect. And I think this shows his reflection of how he thought, my goodness, if we had just listened to those prophets, if we had just heeded the word of the Lord, we would be blessed. You'll notice that he does not count himself in the beginning of the psalm as someone who has fully obeyed God. Look at the next verse. Verse 4. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. This is a person who felt shame and had been put to shame because he realized that he did not fully obey God. I think, um, like a lot of religious people, Daniel had convinced himself that eh, mostly obeying God is good enough or... Or what not, what the prophets accused the royal family of was blended worship. Where they would basically worship pagan gods and rename them and say that they were worshiping the one true God. And those psalmist here says, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. And he longs to be able to do that. Have you ever felt like that? Like where you knew the good you were supposed to do. And you knew what God said, like this is the good thing, this is what I should do. And, and you wanted to do it, but you just couldn't. When we reach that point, and I think, I think every human who loves God reaches that point. Like I think that's a struggle we all have. Where we know the good we're supposed to do and we just struggle with actually doing it. But we realize that we would be blessed if we did. When we reach that point, this, this action step we need to take is to commit to study and obey God's word. That's what the writer of the psalm does. Right after he says, then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. He, he takes a step and he's going to commit. I will praise you with an upright heart. As I learn your righteous laws. He doesn't know them all yet. But he's committing to. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. This is someone who's hit rock bottom. And is saying, God, I was wrong. You are good. I'm going to learn the right way to do live. I'm going to do it. Just don't give up on me in the meantime. That's what his prayer is. And so... The result of this prayer is that naturally he begins studying. And I think this, um, when I read this, it reminds me of when I was a teenager. Um, 
When I was a teen, it wasn't that I like loved God's word and I thought studying it was so much fun, you know, but I just knew it would be good for me. Like if, if I learned it and if I obeyed it, I knew it would be good for me. And so I would make these commitments like January 1st every year. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, okay, God, I'm going to learn your word. I'm going to read it every day, you know, and I would start out with that commitment, not because I loved it so much, but just because I knew it would be good for me. And that's what the author here does. Next verse, verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. That was like me, January 2nd, every year. You know, so much zeal. This is how I'm going to live. All right. And then he goes on, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. And right here, the author does something that is so smart, and it took me way too long to figure out. And that's he comes to the next stage, which is to realize that he can't actually do it. He, he made this commitment, oh, I'm going to study and I'm going to learn your word and I'm going to fully obey it. And then he realizes he, he can't. And so he asks God for help. And this is so simple, but it's so very profound. Do you see the little change that has happened from stanza one to stanza two? And stanza one, he's like, I will learn your, or I will study your laws. And stanza two, he's saying, Lord, teach me your laws. In stanza one, he's saying, I will obey you. In stanza two, he's saying, do not let me stray. It's a very subtle difference, but it's a huge difference. Of asking God for the help, praying daily for help. Um, In my early years as a Christian, I didn't understand that I had to Daily ask God for help to do the right thing. I just thought, you know, I um, admitted I'm a sinner, confessed my belief in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I got baptized. The Holy Spirit's living in me. So I should just be able to do what's right now. And I would try hard. You know, I would try to read my Bible. I would try to pray. I would try not to be jealous or to, you know, Hold my tongue, as James says. <laughs> and like all of that stuff. And I would fail. And so then I would try harder. And I would fail again. And it took me years to realize I needed to daily ask the Holy Spirit to help me do what is right. And to want to do what is right. And I remember asking God, I'm like, God, why do I have to keep asking you for this? Like, why can't I say, okay, God, help me never to be envious again. And it's just done, right? Why do you make me dependent coming back to you day after day after day to ask for these things? Why do you think God does that? To keep us humble. To keep us reliant on Him. What would happen if we just said, God, help me never to... You fill in the blank, right? And then it never happened again. 
two, three years later, what would you think about yourself? We would, we would think, oh, that we're so good just because we're so good. Right? We would take credit for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so that's why God makes us continually ask. Because it is His Spirit in us that empowers us to want to do what is right and to actually do it. And when um, we realize that, the Holy Spirit's power is going to be unleashed in our lives. When we come to that stage, when we realize we can't do it, our action step is to daily pray for help. In verse 12, the author says, Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. He's asking God for help. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I will rejoice in your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Right here, he's reaping the result of daily just asking God for help. And that result is that he's starting to love God's word. His desire has changed. He didn't start at the beginning of this psalm and stanza one talking about how wonderful it was to study the word of God. He was just like, don't let me be put to shame anymore. Don't abandon me. By the end of stanza two, he's saying, I rejoice. And following your statutes, as one rejoices in great riches. I delight in your decrees. He actually has a heart that desires this now. Um, after many failed New Year's resolutions, <laughs> I started to pray, God, give me the desire for your work. That was my little one-sentence prayer. And you know the story. I wrote it on a post-it and stuck it on my I did that for many, many years until I got a cell phone who could, that could do that for me. <laughs> but um, that, that was my prayer. And, you know, in time, I, did, I began to, like, just desire reading God's Word. And if I didn't, I missed it. And so then I tweaked my prayer, and it was like, okay, Lord, show me how to make time to read your Word. Because, you know, you get distracted, you get busy, and all of these things. And then, after a while, it was like, Lord, get me out of bed in the morning. <laughs> you know, I kept tweaking the prayer based upon my journey with the Lord's word. Um, but the result was, ended up just really loving God's word and having lots of wisdom. I want you to flip to verse 97. This is... Years into his journey, okay? We skipped some years. But he's been praying these little one-sentence prayers the whole time. Lord, teach me your commands. Help me delight in your word. All of those kind of things. Look where he is in verse 97. He says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Did you see the difference, change that has happened in his heart? Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. 
I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I may obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. That's the exact thing he prayed for in verses 10 and 12, years previous. He said, Lord, do not let me stray. And he said, teach me your commands. And now years later, he's saying, I have not departed from your laws. I have not strayed. Why? Because God, you yourself have taught me. There's, um, there's been many times where I've read things in the Bible that made no sense to me. Um, I remember in college reading the parable of the wineskins and I just didn't get it at all. And I went to the library and looked up lots of commentaries and they gave answers, but I'm like, eh. <laughs> it seemed like they were just, I don't know. I wasn't convinced. And so I pray for wisdom. And it probably was 10 years later that I finally was like, oh, I really get this. And the light bulb went off for me. Um, but God will give you wisdom and insight if you pray for it. There's a verse in here. Um, let me see if I can find it. Verse, oh, 18 and 19. Flip back. Verses 18 and 19. Um, so this is still fairly early in his journey, right? And I can just imagine Daniel. Like all of his friends have gone to a Babylonian party. And um, he's like, and they're like, come on, you're coming with us. He's like, no, and he's going to stay back and study his scrolls. And, and, and he's probably at this point, like to the book of Leviticus, and, and he opens it up, and there's like the chapter on all the different kinds of mold and, and how the priests were to identify them and cleanse them. And his friends are out partying, and he's like, He says, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. <laughs> I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. He's praying for understanding. He's also praying that what he's reading will seem good <laughs> and interesting. Open my eyes that I can see wonderful things in your law. And of course, God answered that prayer, didn't he? He made it so that Daniel delighted in the word of the Lord. I just wanted to ask you today, what, what stage are you at in your relationship with God's word? Like, are you in that beginning stage where you know it's good for you? But it is hard to get the motivation to actually read it and study it and obey it. Are you at that point where you've made that commitment, but you flounder and get distracted or life gets so busy? Are you to the point where you're reading stuff and you're like, okay, I know this is good for me, but it's like, huh, what does this mean? Why is this even relevant? And you need God to open your eyes to see wonderful things in his word. Um, I want to encourage you to write a one-sentence prayer for yourself regarding God's Word. Last year, every month, we had a different one-sentence prayer 
that we would pray. But for the next eight months, we're going to have just one. And um, this picture represents it right here. Done by one of our heaven's least artists. But it says, Lord, build our lives on your word. That's the prayer for the next eight months. But I, I want you to personalize it. Okay, so get out your phones. Or if you want a post-it note, you can grab one from the baskets. And write yourself one sentence that you will pray every day regarding your relationship with God's word. Maybe it's, God, help me to delight in your word. Or, God, let me desire your word. Or, God, help me find the time to read your word. Or, or maybe you want this one, Lord, build our lives on your word. I, I don't know what it is, but go ahead, take a few moments, and write yourself a one-sentence prayer to pray every day as we go through this journey. There is um, another stage Daniel hits. In regards to his relationship with God's word. I don't have time to unpack it today. When we read about Daniel in the story. I think it's like chapter 16 or something. We'll get there by February. (laughs) We'll read about Daniel. Um, But when we read about Daniel in the story. I'll come back to Psalm 119. And I'll talk about the last stage. Which is he does face disillusionment with God's word. I mean, this is the guy sitting in a lion's den (laughs) because he would not give up his devotion to God. And he struggled with knowing if God was really there, if God was going to keep his promises. And Psalm 119 also records that journey and how he perseveres. And at the end of his life, he's this man full of peace and joy. And isn't that what we all want? To get to the end of our lives and be people who are filled with peace and joy and not regret. And to see what else happens in Daniel's life where he starts the beginning of Psalm 119. He's this young man who's been put to shame. Just asking God not to give up on him. And by the end of his life, he is the most well-respected person in the whole land. That kings come to listen to him. And the man who's considered to be the person of greatest integrity. Guys, I don't know where you are in life. But where you are is not where you have to end up. And God, he wants to do a transforming work in all of us. And his word is the pathway to get there. And prayer... It's like the engine. (laughs) It's the fuel. Prayer is how we tap into the Holy Spirit to go on the path that the Word of God gives us. To build our lives on the Word of God. So at the end of our lives, we are like Daniel. People who are known for our integrity and respected and full of peace and joy and not having any regrets.
before I came up here, um, I was thinking about what my one sentence prayer was going to be, how I was going to personalize this. And um, what came to me was, Lord, help me love your word as I once did. Because our family, good spot now, but um, last, not last year, but if you count back, five years previous have been, have been really rough. And I think some of my zeal has been dampened. And maybe that's where you are too. Where once you were full of zeal, but there's been, you've taken some hard hits that have kind of dampened. So maybe that's a prayer for you too. But that's how I'll be praying. And I will be praying for all of us every day that we'll build our lives on the word of God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you just do not leave us to flounder in life. I thank you also that you're not necessarily the God of quick fixes, that if we just say, hey, help me, you fix everything, and and then let us become arrogant and start believing that we did it for ourselves. God, I pray that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, first of all, you would give us hope. Give us hope of the transforming work you want to do in our lives, in our families, and in our community, Lord. We hear so many negative reports every day that it's easy to think this is just inevitable and this is how things are going. Lord, help us hear your voice that says there is hope because you are alive and you are at work. And God, I pray you will fill us with the desire to learn your word, that we would desire, we would delight in it, we would hunger for it, that if we don't read it, we'll miss it. Show us how to make time, God, to read your word or to listen to it. God, open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Even in the stories, some of us have read the, the stories, the main stories many times. God, I pray you help us to see new and wonderful things. Help us see how it applies to our lives and what wisdom we can glean from it. And God, help us to obey. I thank you for the example of Daniel's life. A young man put to shame, hit rock bottom, and how you restored him to being a person that could weather any storm and hold on to his integrity and peace and joy while doing it. I pray that we will be those kind of people. I pray that we will build our lives on the rock, Jesus Christ, the Word of God. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, the worship team is going to come and we're going to worship God through song. I'm just going to invite you.
Um, to make use of the prayer bowls, they are always up here for you. Um, and you know how, if you've been here before, how it goes. You can write a prayer on the post-it notes. If you fold it and put it in, no one will read it. I'll just lay hands on it and dedicate it to the Lord. If um, you want me to read it, leave it open, and, and then I'll read it and I'll pray along with you. But t- today especially, I just want to encourage you to take that one-sentence prayer that you recorded in your phone as a pop-up reminder, or if you took a post-it note to stick on your mirror or steering wheel or whatever. I encourage you to make another copy and just come and place it in the bowls. As a symbol of your commitment, I'm going to pray this prayer every day for the next eight months. Because this is the journey we're on. To grow in our love and knowledge of the Word of God. Alright?